Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to run simple. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. If you've been listening for the past X number of years, actually it's eight years, you know that's code for we have four experts on the panel today. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. I have an interesting opening quote for today's show. We call it the buzz quote. It's from uh, a CNBC reporter on cybersecurity. Ah, there's a clue. And she's the author of Kingdom of Lies, Unnerving Adventures in the World of Cybercrime, published this year. Her name is Kate Fazzini, F-A-Z-Z-I-N-I. And here's the quote I picked up from one of her articles on CNBC.com. Quote, the prevailing theory today is that the data was stolen by a nation-state for spying purposes, not by criminals looking to cash in on stolen identities. So what in the world am I talking about? Let's level set, and you're all going to go, aha. Do you remember the 2017 Equifax data breach that affected millions of credit card users? Maybe you were one of them. Did you panic? Did you get scared? Did you get angry? Well, we have a gentleman on the panel today who remembers it very well. He's Graham Payne. At the time, he was a senior VP and CIO at Equifax. And guess what? They held him responsible. True or not, they held him responsible for the breach, and he lost his position at Equifax. Yes, he was fired. Graham joins us today with C-suite advisors from some very, very well-known companies, and they all have great expertise on this. We're going to hear from somebody at ProTivity, from Deloitte, and from SAP, of course. And we're going to discuss what your C-suite, specifically your CFO, Office of Finance, needs to know about cybersecurity and its relationship to managing enterprise and cyber risk. We're going to say very basically that, if you don't know, the U.S. SEC published in 2018 last year a requirement that public companies must take into account their cyber risk in order to ensure their financial reporting is correct. That makes this topic even more timely. So we hope you listen up for the next hour. There's so much to talk about. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and welcome to our longest-running series, Financial Excellence with Game Changers. The topic today Cyber risk, keeping your CFO awake at night, exclamation point. Not a question mark, because we know it is. Let me tell you who my four panelists are, and then we'll get started. First up, as I mentioned, Graham, he spells his first name, G-R-A-E-M-E, Payne, P-A-Y-N-E, president and CEO now of his own company, Cybersecurity for Executives, and the four is the numeral four in between. He'll be with us in a moment. Joining him is Manash Shaha, associate director at ProTivity. Joining them is is a returning panelist from way long ago. She was on in 2013. Fiona Williams, a partner at Deloitte. And shout out to Carla Neal Slavin at Deloitte, who helps us with our wonderful guests from Deloitte. And rounding out the panel is the young lady who put this topic and panel together, Anne-Marie Colombo, a cybersecurity solution advisor at SAP. Anne-Marie, thank you. Wonderful job. And everyone, welcome. So let's start off with Graham Payne. He has sent me a quote from Lord Baden-Powell. I remembered instantly, 
Graham that Lord Baden-Powell had something to do with the Girl Scouts, and I was right. Lieutenant General Robert Stephenson Smith, S-M-Y-T-H-E, Smythe Baden-Powell, first Baron Baden-Powell, uh, he lived from 1857 to 1941, was a British Army officer, writer, founder, first Chief Scout of the Worldwide Boy Scout Movement, and founder, with his sister Agnes, of the Worldwide Girl Guide Girl Scout Movement, and he authored the first edition of Scouting for Boys, which was an inspiration for the movement. Here's the quote. If you make listening and observation your occupation, you will gain much more than you can by talk. Graham Payne, welcome. How are you today? Great. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for joining us. We're very, actually very excited and honored to have you here. You're, you're very important to this topic. Graham, tell me how you picked this quote from Lord Baden-Powell, or do you pronounce it Baden-Powell? How should I say it? It is Baden-Powell. And, uh, Thank you. So I, I, me and my uh, boys are very involved in, the, in scouting, and, and I was a scout when I was a, a youth, and so I think it's a great movement for, uh, for encouraging or developing leadership and citizenship in, in young people. Um, so I'm, I, there's a lot of inspirational quotes that I could have chosen, but I like this one because it sort of, to me, it means uh, learning is a lifelong process. And we all have to listen to others, learn from others, learn from others' experiences and their mistakes, um, and, be, and be ready to accept uh, you know, coaching and mentoring um, and always be listening, always observing, because um, you, you always have to have your antenna up. And I think as sessions like this where you're hearing from um, people that have lived through uh, various experiences or consult with companies that help um, manage, uh, advise people on how to manage cyber, cyber risk, um, it, all of these things are very important uh, as you sort of continue to develop in your career. Thank you very much. That, that's so interesting because, well, talking is still obviously uh, a big part of what we do here. We're talking and we're virtually talking to an audience all over the world. I, I love the idea of listening and observation. Can you just give us a clue what this has to do with your perspective? Looking back in the rearview mirror or over either shoulder, Graham, to what happened at Equifax, I know our listeners would love to know a little bit about your perspective on the breach. Right. Well, I think um, there's there's been a lot of um, a lot of investigations into this breach, this Equifax breach, and one was uh, conducted by the House uh, Committee on Government uh, on Oversight and Government Reform, and, and they concluded that you know a, a part of the uh, part of the issue at Equifax was um, just a, a culture where um, we were not. Um, focusing on the right things. So, you know, despite the warnings being there, so we weren't listening. In other words, there, there were warnings there, mm-hmm. there were indications that things, that, 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 whether there could have been issues and, um, you know, we either weren't listening or we weren't paying enough attention to them. And I think that's, you know, happens in a lot of cases. So that, to, that's how it relates to the topic to me. It's like making sure that we're listening and we're looking for the places where the risks are, uh, there are risks and we're appropriately addressing those. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. We're looking forward to a lot more from you. Now let me move slightly around the table to our panelist from ProTivity, Manash Shaha, and he has sent us a beautiful quote from one of the songs. Actually, I think it's one of the 100 most performed songs of the 20th century, according to BMI. Of course, it's Imagine, co-written by John Lennon and his wife, Yoko Ono. Very interesting. Uh, here is the quote You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you will join us and the world 
will be as one. Menashe, these lyrics always make me cry. I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a real mush for a good song, and this is so important. Menashe, welcome to Game Changers Radio, and tell me, how in the world did you pick Imagine for a show about cyber risk, cybersecurity, and data breaches? This I got to hear. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for getting me on the show. So this is one of my favorite songs, and I grew up listening to it as a kid. But each passing day, I feel I can resonate more with it, uh, with the things around me and my world, as well as also with my profession. As a security professional, I think it's a dream to give our clients a secure world. And it's a dream that we are all working on together. And another part of this song is about the wish, I feel. It's a wish mm-hmm. that all other board members, stakeholders join us and work together to make this dream a successful one for any organization. And that keeps us going every day, every night, rather. Thank you very much. Do you think anybody, Manash, anybody who believes, predicts, or, or promotes that cyber risk will go away in our lifetimes? And I'm saying that collectively. I know we have a range of what we call demographic cohorts on the panel today. I believe we do anyway. I'm a baby boomer. I admit it freely. So uh, anyway, do you think anybody is a dreamer and a, 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 a frustrated dreamer if they say, yeah, we can conquer all of this cyber risk and it's just going to go away with enough technology, let's say in the next 10 years? What do you think? Agree or disagree, Manash? Absolutely disagree. It's just a dream, as I said. It's a dream that does not let yep. you sleep. So it's, we are just seeing the top of the iceberg. There's a whole lot that's about to come we, very soon. I agree. Thank you very much. And we'll find out what our other panelists think. Fiona Williams waiting patiently. Fiona, I said that to a panelist a few weeks ago, and Bob is waiting patiently. And he came on the air and he said, how do you know I'm patient? I'm not. And I promised I would never say it again, but it just slips in. It's it's just polite parlance. Fiona Williams at Deloitte sent us a quote from Tabindranath Tagore, FRAS, 1861 to 1941. He had many sobriquets. Those of you not familiar with that charming French term, it means nicknames. Guru Dev, Kabi Guru, and Biswakabi. He was a Bengali polymath, poet, musician, and artist from the Indian subcontinent. And uh, he became the first non-European in 1913 to win the Nobel Prize in Literature. Here's the quote. Clouds come floating into my life, no longer to carry rain or usher storm, to add color, but to add color to my sunset sky. Fiona, this is beautiful. You were very poetic today. Welcome back. How are you? And tell me how this quote relates to our topic. I'm great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me again. It's been a while. It Uh, has. It it kind of brings together three things that um, I'm quite passionate about. Sunsets, India, and technology changes, a.k.a. cloud right now. Um, But I became interested in uh, Tagore when I visited uh, India and his uh, home in Calcutta. Uh, it was about 15 years ago. I was just starting our U.S.-India cyber practice and, um, you know, became aware of him and his works. He was born, you know, pretty much 100 years before I was. He was a great traveler. He went to five continents, um, and I'm a great traveler. I love traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he won the, the Literature Prize, as you mentioned, in 13, 1913, um, he was, you know, self-educated, so he didn't go, he, he attended schools, but he normally dropped out and educated himself, mostly through travel and through his um, family and things like that. 
Um, he was knighted by the British, but he renounced that due to the political tensions between the two countries. And he was, uh, you know, involved with Gandhi and, and all of those activities that were going on. So, um, you know, I have a huge amount of respect for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also, you know, focused on cloud technology uh, right now. You know, I'm focused on technology changes all, all my life, and cloud is a big part of that right now. Um, but I realized that my 21-year-old son started uh, a cloud club in middle school, and he mm. watched the clouds and always was interested in clouds. He's a big believer in the chemtrail conspiracy theory. And so, um, you know, that, that's always interested me. And then, um, yeah, I left sunsets. So all my photos are pretty much sunsets um, focused on, you know, how the clouds impact those sunsets and make them so much more interesting. Uh, recently, we had a family trip the last Thanksgiving to Iceland, mainly to see the northern lights, but actually ended up staying to see the sunsets because the sun never rises much. And so um, it's pretty much a permanent sunset all day long. So it was really beautiful. Anyway, that's why I, I chose that quote. It brings together a lot of the things uh, in my life right now. Thank you. And, and are the cyber risks the clouds? Are they carrying rain, meaning bad news? And uh, are the hackers and the, the bad actors, as we have come to call them, are they ushering in a storm? Or just give me a little relationship to the topic. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people uh, think about, you know, moving to the cloud. Most organizations are either have or are moving to the cloud. And that just brings new risks. So, you know, they see it as sort of a, a black cloud on the horizon. How do I deal with it? But I think that you can actually turn moving into a cloud environment into a positive and see it as, you know, a good thing because it does give you the ability to take a fresh look at things, to build your security appropriately versus having to try to retrofit in a legacy on-prem environment. So I think, um, you know, that's what I've looked at is how do I turn this somewhat perceived negativeness into a positive as organizations shift to the cloud and consider security upfront in the design of what they're going to do. Words of wisdom. Thank you, Fiona. Appreciate that. Anne-Marie Colombo, I don't know if you're waiting patiently or not, but I know you're waiting. (laughs) Anne-Marie is a cybersecurity solution advisor at SAP, and she has sent us another wonderful quote, really down-to-earth quote from Colin Powell. Colin Powell Luther, his middle name is Luther, born in 1937, still very much alive and well. American statesman, retired four-star general in the U.S. Army. He served as National Security Advisor from 1987 to 89, Commander of the U.S. Army Forces Command in 89, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of, Chiefs of Staff, and he held that position during the Persian Gulf War. And this is interesting. He was the first and so far the only Jamaican-American to serve on the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and he was the 65th U.S. Secretary of State under President George W. Bush from 2001 to 2005. So here's the quote. Listen up, everybody. Very important. There are no secrets to success. It is the result of preparation, hard work, and learning from failure. There's that key word. Anne-Marie Colombo, welcome. And tell me how your quote relates to the topic, please. Okay. Thanks, Bonnie. Yes, I, I agree with you that Colin Powell is certainly down to earth, and I, I do admire him. And I think he's right. In my experience, hard work is what brings success. Hard work and being prepared, you're more likely to succeed. But even if you don't succeed, you you learn something from your failures that you can take to your next endeavor. And um, even 
if you do succeed, you learn something. So I, I agree with what Graham said earlier that you're a lifelong learner and there's always something you can learn from a process. And I think that preparation and hard work, you learn something there. And then when you succeed, you learn what worked. And when you fail, you learn what didn't work. So I thought that the quote really brought that to light, the value of preparation and hard work. And that success is not easy or related to luck. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think many other people have said, paraphrasing or permutations on this quote, you learn more from your failures. Uh, Who was it? uh, Was it um, Edison who said, I haven't failed 10,000 times. I've just figured out better ways to do something. I think it was the light bulb. Forgive me if I'm quoting that wrong. And it's very, very true. We have another way of saying that, Anne-Marie, in recent years, especially in the field of design thinking. I think the the, uh, mantra is fail fast, fail often. And I would add parenthetically, but damn it, learn from each failure. So thank you very much. (laughs) Appreciate that. Let's go around the table really, really quickly and find out a little bit more about our panelists. We're going to start with Graham Payne at Cybersecurity for Executives. Graham, three quick questions. Number one, where in the world are you calling from today? Number two, what's your favorite beverage of any kind that powers you and energizes you? That has a little reflection of your personality. And number three, in in uh, a minute or less, tell us what is cybersecurity for executives, your company? Graham Payne, you're up. All right. Thank you. Uh, so I'm calling from Atlanta, Georgia, in the United States. Um, my favorite drink would have to be uh, a nice glass of uh, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, when mm. I, I grew up in New Zealand and the crisp, uh, grassy flavors are refreshing uh, in the summertime and, and that would have to be my favorite drink. And then your last question was, uh, so tell me about the company. So uh, Cybersecurity for Executives is focused on working with uh, senior executives and board members to help them uh, improve their cybersecurity strategy understand risks, uh, simulate how, uh, how they should respond in, in the event of a, a breach and provide coaching and mentoring to uh, security experts and board and senior executives. Thank you very much. Well, that was probably one of the quickest panelist up close and personal segments we've ever had in almost nine years and 5,000 panelists. Graham, you, you win that award. Thank you very much. Manash Shah at Productivity, same thing. Where are you? What do you love to drink? And what do you do? Go ahead, Manash. Thank you, Bonnie. So I'm in Chicago, Illinois. It's pretty gloomy outside. It's raining out here. So uh, I have my caffeine in my cup right now, which keeps me going. It's a cold brew with a cascara foam. And it's mm. just add the extra boost to my day. And nice. sometime at night as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And what and do you uh, do at Protivity? What's your role? Sure. I'm an associate director with the firm uh, based out of Chicago, Illinois, obviously. And Protivity is a management consulting firm. It's a global firm. Uh, we do services, we provide services across multiple things around internal audits, ERP application services. We also do merger acquisitions, we do business process improvements, we do security and privacy as well. And I belong to the ERP practice and I lead the cybersecurity offering in the Midwest market. And on a day-to-day basis, I help and work with my clients to strategize their cyber risk and cyber security as they go through their business transformation and digital transformation journey. 
Thank you, Minash. Pleasure to meet you. Appreciate that. Fiona Williams coming back after six years. My goodness gracious. Partner at Deloitte. Fiona, where are you? What do you love to drink? And what's your current role? Go. Uh, So, Bonnie, I'm based in Southern California, if you probably remember. live in Mm -hmm. uh, lovely Laguna Beach. However, uh, today I find myself in the Pacific Northwest, Seattle, uh, for meetings related to cloud security. Guess, guess. (laughs) Um, and right after that, I'm headed to Tel Aviv, Israel, where we're hosting 90 CISOs at an event that really uh, helps them understand new solutions that are coming out of Israel. That's uh, such an important part of the cyber equation these days. Uh, a lot of talent coming out of the 8200 um, you know, military in Israel. Um, and so we meet with a lot of those folks, a lot of the founders of the uh, companies that are being started up in Israel uh, to help with the cybersecurity uh, problem. Uh, so I'm really excited about that and then go straight from that to Boston um, for a cloud security uh, conference there. So um, that's kind of where I am over the next few weeks. What I wish I was drinking, um, <laughs> so I love, I love champagne. And, um, you know, in my role as CISO for Deloitte uh, over the last three years, uh, people always ask, you know, are you are you guys eating your own dog food? Are you, you know, doing mm-hmm. internally what you do for clients? And I always turned it into, no, we're drinking our own champagne because that sounds much more fun than eating our own dog food. So I love champagne, <laughs> you know, either neat, mimosas, Key Royale. Um, my favorite color is turquoise. And um, my daughter started me on a, uh, and her fiance, they started me on a blue bottle kick around my bar at home and uh, they gave me a beautiful turquoise bottle of wine and I found a a French um, drink that is um, it's called um, Hypnotique and it's a beautiful turquoise bottle that uh, is a liqueur that you put with champagne so that's kind of my current favorite thing and um, but anything to do with French champagne is my favorite. Um, What I do you know I have a 35 year vet at uh, Deloitte uh, always focused on technology and the risks associated with technology. Um, as I mentioned, I was the CISO at Deloitte for three years, which was really interesting. Um, and then, you know, focus around anything that's happening uh, around cyber these days. So cloud, uh, incident response, um, strategy around cyber, helping uh, boards understand what they need to do to prepare, things like that. So uh, anything to do with uh, cybersecurity. Thank you very much. And if anybody's wondering, Hypnotique is not spelled your usual way. It's H-P-N-O-T-I-Q. It's a liqueur. You can find it on crownwineandspirits.com. I had to tell. (laughs) Exotic blend. Exquisite, oh, it's beautiful. Exquisite blend of premium vodka, national, natural tropical fruit juices, and a hint of cognac, which combined to produce its blue color. Thank you. Anne Marie Colombo, you don't have to top that one. Just tell us where you are, what you love to drink. I think we're all going out for Hypnotique after the show. And what is your role as a cybersecurity solution advisor? Go ahead, Anne Marie. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, my favorite drink is black coffee. And it helps me wake up and keep going. And I'm finishing up my master's degree right now. So it's been really important to me (laughs) the Mm -hmm. last um, year or so. I work for SAP and I'm focused on cybersecurity. SAP is not a cybersecurity company, but we are in the business of helping our customers run their business. And, uh, of course, with the cloud solutions, stay safe. And so I help customers, SAP customers, understand different strategies um, whether it's 
breaking down the walls between the SAP team and the IT security team because many times those two groups don't talk to each other. And SAP is seen as a black box by the IT security teams. And um, from an SAP perspective, those teams don't always understand the IT security teams. They just seem to be the teams that always tell them no. And then we do get into, um, because I work for the CIO North America, Mike Goltz, we do get into the C-suite discussions on um, managing risk. So that's what I do. Thank you very much. And I'll just round this out. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I am pleased to be the producer, creator, host of 43 different themed series under the banner of Game Changers Radio for SAP. And this show, Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio, is in Season 8. It's our longest-running series, the biggest audience grabber of all of our series. And I very much appreciate the work behind the scenes of Anne-Marie Colombo and her colleague Birgit Starmans to put this topic together today. I'm in Durham, North Carolina. We go from sometimes 68 degrees in the morning to 96 in the afternoon. I'm still getting used to it. only been here a year and a half. And I can't tell you what my favorite drink is, but I'm going to tell you that on radio show days, and I do two live shows on Tuesdays, an hour apart, I'm not allowed to go near caffeine, Anne-Marie, so I only have a glass of cool, clear water with my last plastic straw. I'm switching to paper straws because the plastic straws are gunking up our oceans, so I'm going to be more conservation-minded. We're going to take a quick break. 90 seconds is all we've got. This is such an important topic. Cyber risk, keeping your CFO awake at night. We're not asking the question. We're telling you it probably is. When we come back, we'll be speaking and getting more words of wisdom and thought leadership from our four esteemed panelists, Graham Payne, President and CEO of Cybersecurity for Executives, all one word with a four number in the middle, Manash Shaha, Associate Director at Protivity, Fiona Williams, a partner at Deloitte, and Anne-Marie Colombo, Cybersecurity Solution Advisor. That's a big title at SAP. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be right back. Aaron, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Isn't it time for you to transform your finance organization? SAP is leading the way with groundbreaking technology to help finance professionals transform finance. S4HANA, powered by SAP, is a part of SAP S4HANA, the next-generation business suite. SAP S4HANA Finance draws upon innovative, in-memory mobile and cloud technologies to deliver one common, secure view of all your information across finance. This gives you instant insight to drive enterprise-wide strategic value. Learn more about SAP S4HANA Finance at SAP.com. The time for enterprise mobility is now. According to IDC, by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments, questions? You're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to financial excellence with Game Changers. Yes, indeed. A very hot topic today, cyber risk. You may be more familiar with the term cybersecurity. We're calling it cyber risk because we're looking at it from the perspective of what's keeping the CFO awake at night, and we know they are. I'm going to start out this formal part of the show, the roundtable, with our panelist, Graham Payne, President and CEO of Cybersecurity for Executives. And here's what Graham told me before the show. He's going to explain this, and then we'll get input from each of our panelists around the table, and then we'll move on to another topic. Graham says the following, a company's cybersecurity strategy should cover prevention, detection, and response. Graham, take it away. Great. So I think as a CFO or a senior executive in the company, I'm really concerned about having a good strategy around cybersecurity. And in my experience, there's been a, a lot of attention focused on the prevention aspects. So this is things like you know, putting up firewalls, having an identity and access management uh, system to, to manage who has access to the systems, having uh, technology to, to identify malware and viruses, those sorts of things. But um, what is equally important, in my view, is also having in place the detection capabilities to determine uh, when you are under attack from uh, the bad actors, as you described them. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, ha- how, do you, um, how do you detect that? that and, and you detect that by, having, uh, by collecting data on what's going on in your environment and, and then having a, a, a process and, and systems to be able to sort of see, uh, weed through that and understand what is, what is a potential attack and then be able to respond to it. So, so it's really important that uh, you uh, have the detection controls in place to be able to identify what's going on in your network and what's going on in your environment. And then it's equally important then have to have response processes and have a, a similar level of investment into responding because my, um, I, I would advocate that every company either has or will be breached. And so mm-hmm. having, the, having the, the, the processes in place to know how to deal with that in many cases, it might be a, a minor breach. It might be a small. It can be detected and, and remediated fairly quickly. But in some cases, like Equifax, Target, you know, Home Depot, it's a massive breach, right? And it engages the whole company, disrupts the whole company. And so, you need to have good, sound processes to be able to respond as well. So, to me, just to wrap that up, I think the strategy needs to cover all three of those aspects, and it needs to look at the, preve- the prevention, detection, and and uh, and response, as well as, and look at it from a people, process, and technology perspective. Thank you very much. I think somebody had a smoke alarm going off. I hope everybody's okay. Uh, Graham, before I go around the table with Manash and Fiona and Anne-Marie, quick question for you. In our listening audience, and we have a, a large audience that's been very loyal for many years for this show, Graham, do you think this comes as any surprise, prevention, detection, and response? Do you think this this triumvirate or this triple play you just mentioned for a com- any company's cybersecurity strategy, is this breaking news or do they know this already, and are they hiding from it? What's your observation? Um, I think most companies are looking at all three aspects. What I what I would advocate, though, is that um, the response. We, we probably put less emphasis on the response capability and and more on the on the prevention and and detection. Um, 
So, uh, but in this, uh, you know, today with the attack service that we have, um, you know, with the with the spread of t- uh, with you know inter- IoT and cloud and, and everything coming along, I think that um, resp- it, it, it's inevitable that that your controls are going to fail. So having uh, appropriate response capabilities to me is the area that requires probably more focus than it has in the past. Thank you very much. All good information. Let's move around the table and get the input from first Manash Shaha at ProTivity. Agree or disagree with what Graham said, Manash? Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree with what Graham said. But I'd like to add here a couple of things as well. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the key things that we have seen in the industry or across the trends, I would think, lots of company doesn't know what it doesn't know, which will come when it comes to risk, right? So there needs to be obviously a prevention process, but also covering the possible new vectors of attack that might happen, right? So there needs to be a monitoring process in place. There also needs to be a process to not only qualitatively analyzing the risk, but, but also quantitatively as well evaluating how much is the risk. And obviously, then you have the prevention, monitoring, detection, and response. Obviously, it's a very critical thing that you need to have to respond to any cyber incident that happens in your environment, followed by a recovery strategy, because sometimes even we have everything in place, we end up losing certain things. The breach happens. And as uh, Graham correctly mentioned, uh, pointed out, that it's just a matter of time. Already, most of the companies are under attack or will be attacked soon, right? Yes. So, it is very important to have a recovery strategy also in place for your continuity, business continuity plan. And the entire cyber risk should be ingrained in your business transformation as well as business digital transformation. Thank you. Very, very very important, Manash. Good point about the recovery strategy. We are expanding this list of what a good cybersecurity strategy should be. Fiona Williams at Deloitte, join us. Thoughts, agree or disagree? We've got some good uh, information on the table here. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, cyber has become much more of an issue um, at the board level and in uh, leadership of organizations as there be more and more of these incidents. Um, it was interesting, actually, to see that uh, Moody's downgraded Equifax based on their cyber attacks. And that's the first instance of a downgrade and a financial impact being measured um, from a cyber incident. And so I think it's becoming more and more important for boards to understand their role and for leadership in an organization. Um, I think was mentioned earlier, you know, the tone at the top, uh, what's your intent? Do you have plans? Are you executing on those plans in a rigorous way and not ignoring all of the warning signals, because I think those are the organizations that are going to be penalized the most. And so it's really um, behooven on leadership in the organizations to take the, the telltale signs, to look at the warning signs, and to have a plan in place to remediate and respond to those. Thank you very much. There's that planning and in place. And yes, all, all, I think we're, I know we're all on the right track. Oh, Anne-Marie Colombo, I am looking forward to your take on this. Agree or disagree? Anything you'd like to add on this cybersecurity strategy we're discussing? Yes, I agree with um, Graham that responding is important and maybe not as well thought out in some cases. And this is why tabletop exercises, for instance, are important so that you can find out those areas that maybe you haven't thought about. 
and not only the recovery strategy, but the business continuity. So what happens if you have to isolate systems and take down the system that's running your business? A lot of people don't think through this, that if they had um, a cyber event, that now they have to take down other systems in order to isolate that uh, attack. And then, you know, what's the risk to the business? Now you're not running your business. Is your is your plant down for two weeks? You can't uh, produce things because you had to take the system down in order to isolate that attack. And so that that's a risk that, that maybe people don't think about until they really think through, how am I going to respond to something what are the kind of things that I might have to do um, in order to respond? How does it impact the business? Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to respond to what your co-panelists just shared. You know, I think that the whole rec- approach to recovery, re- response and recovery, you know, we used to be focused on things like, you know, did, did the data center going down or some, some physical act of God, you know, hurricane or flood or something like that. Today it's, it's cyber, right? And so, um, it absolutely needs to be uh, planned out and they need to have a good response and recovery process. It has to involve the board of directors and senior management, including the CFO. I mean, the Equifax board met 76 times on this matter um, after the breach. The, um, the, the, crisis, the crisis management in a 24 by 7 news cycle that you have to deal with, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it really is it, it, it's, uh, r- relentless. And, and, having, uh, and having gone through that you know, and, and seen how, we, how it was managed, you know, there's a lot of lessons to be learned from that. But it, you, have to have, you, have, you have to have a war room. You have to have a lot, a lot of processes in place to be able to sort of manage that crisis on, a, on, a, on an hourly, if not minute-by-minute basis. Thank you, Graham. I'm back, and I'm uh, hopefully cough-free. Let's move on to some notes from Manash Aha at ProTivity. Manash, I think this is an, another really important topic we need to talk about. You asked the question in your notes, who is responsible for cybersecurity? You say it's not only the responsibility of the security team, it involves the infrastructure team, the development team, the business, and data owners. How broad is the responsibility? Is it everybody in the company? Is there training involved? Are there handbooks and manuals and everybody sit in the auditorium and listen up types of things and signing of, of documents saying, I will be a responsible party to preventing cybersecurity in my company? Manash, tell us about your thoughts about the responsibility, the spread, please. Surely. Thank you, Bonnie. So mm-hmm. cybersecurity is everyone's interest, Right. And it's a cultural shift that needs to happen across organizations, across industries, everywhere. As you plan your transformation of projects or you plan your business growth or expansion, you've got to consider it. And when you consider it, not only the security team to implement the cybersecurity aspects, the, CF, the CISO, the CIO, and the CFO need to be all together along with the board members to spread this awareness across the organization. It is, everyone is responsible. Everyone needs to agree and have the same mission to protect the environment, their business, their IPs, across against all threats or vulnerabilities that have, can occur, right? So it's a cultural shift. It's the, I mean, we speak about framework. We speak about standards, but beyond standards, it's a, ownership that everyone owns this part of action 
everyone owns the responsibility to make sure mm -hmm. their environment is safe and secure, be it the IT team, the infrastructure team, the development team, the business, the, all the key stakeholders, board of directors, everyone. And one thing a lot of companies have confusion is that they, as they move to cloud or other third-party applications, they think that's okay, it's not my responsibility when I'm hosting my data in someone else's cloud. It's your responsibility. It's your, your, your responsibility, your reputation, your business is at stake. So it's got to be an overall cultural shift that needs to happen. And thankfully, that's happening. We are seeing that's a trend. But that needs to happen more to make sure the entire business environment is safe and secure and ready to respond for any such unfortunate breach happen in their business. Thank you very much, Manash. Fiona Williams, I want to bring you in on this conversation, but I'm going to expand it slightly with one of the notes that you sent me before the show, and I think this will uh, add on to what Manash just said. You said, experienced cyber resources are limited and in high demand. Organizations need to prioritize how to attract and retain good cyber talent. So let's expand on what Manash said, Fiona, in terms of everybody being responsible. Let's talk about the resources who are hired to especially be responsible. What's your thought, please, C continuing the conversation? Fiona? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I think as um, businesses look to develop more and more technology in their actual front office and as organizations move from technology as a back office activity to more front office, uh, it really requires organizations to think about how to secure their products more effectively. And that takes, um, you know, integration of security professionals into those activities, which is sometimes difficult. The business doesn't want to hold up their product development. They don't really want security to be involved until the last minute. And, you know, having people that are experienced in how to integrate security into product development, into building clouds and things like that, without impacting the speed to market is critical. And those resources are, are very limited and hard to uh, attract. So, you know, organizations really need to think about how do they look at DevSecOps, for example, and, and develop appropriate resources that can respond and implement secure systems and build security into the um, applications that they're developing. So those are some of the thoughts around the, the response to that and the resource requirements. Thank you, Fiona. And Marie Colombo, love to get your take on Who's responsible? Do you need a cyber a cyber department, if you will, who that's all they do? And how do they spread that information and that responsibility to the rest of the company? Anything you'd like to add, Anne-Marie? Go ahead. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. There, there usually is a cyber department. I think that the, the function of that may be changing because we are seeing that companies are pushing that responsibility out to everyone. It mm -hmm. should be part of the... Um, entire company and from a security awareness standpoint there there is some training involved there to make sure that the entire company understands the importance of um, being aware of what's out there and, and especially since 90% of the the attacks seem to come from email phishing attacks that are very targeted towards people and more and more so that security awareness piece of um, getting that that word out within your organization that, you know, be careful, don't, don't click on things and they're going to be very, very mm -hmm. targeted type of attacks and, and emails that yeah. you get. You have to be very careful. 
yep, the old don't open this, and if it looks like it might be a spam, a scam, a sham, a, a fishing expedition of any kind, and the old Nigerian bank scam has resurfaced again. Yeah, it's out there. The letters are absolutely charming. Thank you, Graham Payne. We'd love to get your take on this. What do you think about responsibility, and do you need a cyber risk department with the talent who exactly knows what to do if, when, and how it happens? Go ahead, Graham. Well, I think two two key points. One is it's everyone's responsibility, and Mm -hmm. everyone has to play a a role in helping to protect the organization's assets and data. Um, But ultimately, it's the board's responsibility. Uh, They have the responsibility for managing risk in the organization. And the the, the National Association of Corporate Directors put out a a book called um, The Handbook for Directors on Cyber Risk Oversight in 2017, and they define five principles, and the first principle is that cybersecurity is an enterprise, not an IT risk, and I totally agree with mm-hmm. that. And so, I think you know, it's a, it's ultimately it's the board, and and they have to exercise that responsibility by working with the senior management. It's not an IT problem; it's an enterprise problem, and everyone has a role to play. Do you think uh, IT understands that? Can IT stand up and fight for itself at at the board level, at the C-suite level, Graham? Can IT say, wait a minute, you're pinning this on us. Let's back up a little bit here. Okay, board members, let's put it on you. Do, do, is there any battle going on or is this is this accepted? I think it's evolving. It, it, that's evolving. Um, you know, there's lots mm-hmm. of different surveys out there. I, I saw just one this morning that said, I think, you know, like 33% of the boards accept that they are responsible. So it's still, it's, it's, but I think it's growing. And I think um, boards are recognizing as they're seeing these breaches that are happening um, and they're seeing CEOs and the chairmen of boards testifying in front of Congress. They're seeing uh, the impact that has on, on, on share uh, pr- price and valuation of the companies. Um, as the, it's starting now to, to sort of be recognised, well, yes, it, this is something we really need to take uh, take an interest in and take take an active part in, in dialoguing on. Um, but it, but that's evolving. It's not that's not there in every company. Thank you very much. Um, let's go to Manash briefly. Manash, interesting conversation around the table on the topic we introduced from your notes. Anything you'd like to say to your co-panelists about their additions? You know, I. No, thank you for all the views, but I'd like to emphasize a little more is, yes, first, yes, sometimes it's become a challenge for the CFO or the board to understand the IT jargons, if I may say that, uh, to interpret. Mm-hmm. That's why we are seeing more the CISO is aligned or mapped with the CFO to help them understand. Also, we have been seeing a trend, the board, lots of boards are hiring IT professionals to have an uh, understanding and view of the cybersecurity and help them interpret how to secure the environment. Thank so, you very much. Yeah, that's a cultural shift, and that's absolutely welcome. Very important. Cultural shift and, and change management is very important to this conversation. Fiona, we've already picked up one of your statements, but I, I want to turn it around. When I opened the show I talked about, I said to the audience around the world, were you one of them who were part of those millions of personal files that were captured during the Equifax data breach? So let's look at the consumer side. Fiona, your notes say to me, as a result of recent breaches, and I know you're also referring back to Equifax, consumers are demanding more protection, which 
has resulted in new legislation to protect them. Fiona, how widespread is this? Give us a quick overview on this, and then I'm going to move on quickly to, you know what, we're, we're just about out of time. Talk about this, and I'll get Anne-Marie to comment, and then, Graham, you can get ready with your prediction. Go ahead, Fiona. Yeah, sure. Um, I think that, you know, as you've seen probably in the press, GDPR has been rolled out, CCPA has followed suit. Um, which is part of the California Privacy uh, Protection for Consumers, and that will con- continue to evolve probably to other states. And that's really, um, you know, forcing organizations to think about how do they protect consumer data so that consumers feel that it's safe. And that's, you know, a difficult challenge because, as we all know, you know, the bad actors are very aggressive in trying to get access to these things. Um, but often businesses are not really focused on building those requirements into their applications as they build them. And so, you know, privacy by design, for example, is a way of accomplishing that without having to retrofit um, privacy and security as an afterthought. So just, just some, you know, notes and, and thoughts around that, uh, Bonnie. I know you're out of time. so Thank you. Yes, you. I appreciate the brevity on that. Anne-Marie, I do want to get you in. And I know Graham's waiting with his prediction. Anne-Marie, comments on sure. what Fiona just sure. shared. Talk to me. Yeah, yep. I think um, what Fiona just shared and what we've talked about, there's a lot of different aspects to this around uh, GDPR, prevention, detection, responding, um, and basically all of this is pointing out that, and we've talked about this, that all of this risk is really operational risk. It's risk that has to be managed, and from a board level, as Graham pointed out, how, how do you do that? And one way is to put in, in place a risk management process and framework where everybody is speaking the same language. And I've heard a number of talks where people have done that, CISOs have done that, so that they, they plug themselves into the risk management framework that may be in use. Um, one example off the top of my head is COSO. And you now can talk that same language that the the business is already speaking and they understand what you're talking about because everybody is talking and using that framework within your organization. Thank you very much. Graham Payne, 60 seconds. That's all I've got for you. Predict where will we be on cybersecurity? Oh, let's say by 2025. What do you see? 60 seconds. All yours. Go. Okay, so I'm going to say 2035, and my prediction is that the majority of boards of directors will have designated cyber risk experts on the board, and I'm saying that for three reasons. One is there's going to be a new generation of executives that have grown up in the internet age, and they're going to be more versed in understanding cybersecurity risks. I think regulators and shareholders are going to uh, push the companies there, and then the third reason is that um, the digital transformation that companies are going through is going to necessitate it. Thank you. Brief and to the point. Appreciate that. Manashaha at Protivity, you're up. 60 seconds. What do you see in the crystal ball coming down the road up the pike between now and let's stretch it out to 2035. If that's what Graham wants, we'll do it. Manash, go ahead. Yeah, as I said before, this is just the tip of the iceberg. So yes. more cyber threats will be coming our way. We already started speaking about biometric cybersecurity as well. And to all, for all this, we will have a significant presence of cyber personals in the board of directors to tackle the risk, to plan the risk, and to address the risk. And also, the thing is that we need to, we'll see a huge amount of effort putting in to discover the unknown, the unknown risk that exists for an organization, besides helping them to quantify the risk as well. Thank you very much. Fiona Williams, 60 seconds. What have you got in the crystal ball? Tell me. Well, I don't know that I've got a a crystal ball prediction, but 
I think that, you know, what I'd like to see is um, moving from the attacked as a scapegoat. Um, you know, if a civilian hospital or, or, you know, company was attacked by enemy missiles, uh, the press wouldn't admonish that company for not having a missile defense system in place, right? And right now, you know, um, when a cyber attack occurs, and it's normally from, you know, enemy state, whatever, um, that nobody knows who to blame. The press blames the attacked and really takes it out on them. And I think that there needs to be more support for commercial business to help them prevent um, issues and take action more timely around these uh, military kind of attacks that we're seeing in cyber warfare. Uh, And even maybe one day, you know, a cyber Red Cross to help organizations that have been impacted by these things. So that's what I'd like to see going forward. Interesting comment. Very interesting. And Marie, I have 60 seconds with your name on them. Go ahead. What do you predict? Anne-Marie Colombo, are you with us? Yes, it's interesting that Fiona brought up cyber warfare because I, I, I've read that that is an area that is increasingly important. And um, so from, from a managing risk, that becomes even a bigger a bigger type of risk that you have to manage if you're, you know, the cyber warfare type of um, attack, I guess. And so understanding what the costs are to the business and how you measure that risk is going to be more and more important. Currently, most companies use a qualitative, which can be somewhat subjective, high, medium, low, severity, you know, levels for managing risk. And I think in the future, you're going to see more dollar amounts associated, more of a quantitative uh, risk uh, assessment and understanding of how that cyber risk is really impacting the company's bottom line. Thank you very much. I can't thank the four of you enough. I thought it went extremely well. We covered a lot of territory on the topic. It's a challenge. It is a huge topic. Uh, stay on the air after we stay with me on the phone before we, when we get off the air. I have something to tell all of you. Graham Payne, thank you so much. Manasha, Fiona Williams, and Anne Marie Colombo. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. What a great topic we covered. Very important. No matter where you are in the world, what your company does, how big you are, when you started, where you're going, cybersecurity, live in the real world, and pay attention. Thank you to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire, for keeping us on the air. We always He always does, and we appreciate it. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Graham Payne at Cybersecurity for Executives, just like Manash Shaha at ProTivity, just like Fiona Williams at Deloitte, and just like Anne-Marie Colombo at SAP. And thank you again to Anne-Marie and Birgit Starmans at SAP for putting together this wonderful topic. Bonnie D. Graham, over and out. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to run simple. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO. And join host Bonnie D. Graham Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel. Wishing you a game-changing week.